0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. It's Wednesday, July 26th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Peach season is upon us, but connoisseurs of the local varieties may be disappointed. The three commercial producers in South and Southwest Illinois had a rough year. Overall, it's going to be tough to find a homegrown peach this year in Missouri and Illinois because we're one of the only growers that has a crop at all, and it's not a full crop. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer will examine why there's a shortage and what that means for consumers. Opponents of a recently signed bill barring most transgender minors from receiving gender-affirming care are suing to prevent the law from going into effect in Missouri. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports that similar measures in other states have also faced legal challenges. Missouri lawmakers approved a bill earlier this year barring most transgender youth from receiving hormone therapy or puberty blockers. Governor Mike Parson signed that bill into law but opponents of the measure filed a lawsuit in Cole County to strike down the measure. A statement from Julian Wilcox of the ACLU of Missouri says the law enshrines, quote, discriminatory practices in our health care system by specifically denying transgender Missourians under the age of 18 access to evidence-based gender-affirming medical care. Judges have halted similar gender-affirming care bans for minors in Kentucky and Arkansas. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. Missourians with increasing income will soon be able to keep some of their social service benefits. Governor Mike Parson has signed legislation allowing people to retain some of their child care, food, or income assistance if their income goes over limits. The law would gradually lower assistance when somebody's income goes up. Mary Chance of the Missouri Coalition for Children said earlier this year that transitional benefits could ultimately save the state money especially if low-income families can avoid breaking up.
1: By really providing a springboard in addition to a safety net, this can also help families stay together. Um, About 60% of the children who come into foster care each year in the state of Missouri come in for reasons of neglect.
0: The bill will go into effect
1: late next month.
0: A Department of Social Services spokeswoman says the legislature needs to appropriate more money for the program before it's available to the public. A stay of execution has been granted for a man convicted in the 2002 murder of a six-year-old in Valley Park. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued the order for Johnny Johnson last night, citing his attorney's arguments that he suffers from mental illness. Johnson's lawyers want his sentence changed to life in prison. The defense team is also asking Governor Mike Parson for clemency. An execution had been scheduled for August 1st. Now Johnson's lawyers will have to file briefs by September 5th. He has been behind bars since the murder of Casey Williamson. The St. Louis Reparations Commission wants more public input as it prepares to draft a proposal on how to directly address and repair historical race-based harm. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones issued an executive order last December to establish the commission. Gwen Moore is one of the board members.
1: You can't go back into the past and, and, and correct what was happening. There has to be redress. That's what it's about. redress. and I think that I think history proves that public policy and private practices are responsible for current conditions.
0: Moore made those comments on St. Louis on the air. The Francis Howell School Board may revisit its decision to rescind an anti-racism resolution. Members voted last week to rescind all resolutions previous boards adopted over the past three years, including one condemning racism and pledging that the school district would work toward equity for all students. Students, parents, and community leaders have criticized the move. In a social media post yesterday, Board President Adam Bertrand said there may be a rewrite or modification of the resolution before it expires. In two months, the board will meet again in August. St. Louis may be an unlikely place to celebrate Shark Week since the nearest ocean is more than 600 miles away. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Lily Halloran reports, this week the St. Louis Aquarium at Union Station is taking on the challenge.
1: Visitors to the aquarium can pet the famous predators, watch them eat, and even ask questions while divers swim with them. Aquarium staff say they hope their version of Shark Week will teach people about sharks and encourage them not to fear the animals. And it seems to be working. During a behind the scenes tour, Ivana Mejia asks lots of questions. Later, she says she's in awe of the species. Sharks are awesome creatures. And if it weren't for them, our whole ocean ecosystem would be completely destroyed. And I feel like we should have so much respect for them and not fear. The aquarium's Shark Week festivities take place until Sunday. I'm Lily Halloran, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Peaches are synonymous with summer, but this year there are fewer local varieties and they're more expensive. That's because a cold spell in December knocked out a vast majority of the region's crop. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports. Again, this is such an untypical year. Normally these doors are open. The Austin
1: Flam is showing right me here. around his orchards processing facility in deep southern Illinois. Here, with the help of seasonal workers, they'd process hundreds of thousands of the fuzzy fruits every summer.
0: you got to use a little bit of imagination this year. While the line's not running, it it doesn't give an accurate representation.
1: And there's a reason the line isn't running at Flam Orchard. A big winter storm in late December got to the peach trees, and bad. For Flam, he estimates the cold spell knocked out 90 to 95 percent of his peaches this year. In the big refrigerator-like warehouse where Flam stores the peaches, the bad crop is just as obvious. What normally would be chock full of peach bins is nearly empty.
0: To have a loss as bad as we've had this year, it's very rare. This is the worst loss we've had in about 16 seasons, since 2007.
1: It's so bad that Flam is selling very little wholesale to grocery stores. For the most part, the orchard is selling directly to consumers. Had this been a normal year, Flam's production line might have sounded a little like it does in Belleville.
0: These peaches are going to be made into peach cider tomorrow.
1: So Chris Eckert's line running at his family orchard is a little stronger than Flam's. His trees produce enough fruit to sell wholesale to places like Schnucks. But that doesn't mean it was a good year. Overall, it's probably more like half a crop. We're going to be pretty excited about a half a crop if, uh, if we can get that. Why this year turned out the way it did is kind of a mystery for Eckert. Why did his crop end up better than Flams? Why did his Gala variety take the cold so poorly? Why did the Redhaven take it well? Or why did one side of the hill do so poorly while the other didn't? These are questions Eckert hasn't found all the answers to. His best explanation? Weather creates strange situations.
0: That's kind of the world we live in is the weather is different always. These types of one-off situations are not that unusual in our world. It's like, well, that's never happened before. This disease never was here before. That insect was never here before.
1: Peaches are the biggest moneymaker for Eckert, so a short year like this isn't fun. Lucky for him and Flam, there's good crop insurance from the U.S. Department of Ag, and other fruits, like apples, are looking pretty good. There are two main things a peach buyer may notice this summer. One, a lack of local fruit, and two, the price. Eckert says prices at his store are up about 20%. Flam says it's about 30 for him. On the national scale, it's likely even more. Georgia and South Carolina, two of the bigger peach-producing states, had rough weather of their own earlier this spring. That's according to Kay Rensel, the executive director of the National Peach Council. With such a significant number and volume of fresh peaches coming out of Georgia and South Carolina in any typical year, It does make a big difference to the marketplace and the availability of fresh peaches. Local growers are hoping to make the best of a bad situation and use the peach shortage to encourage people to buy directly from them. At Flames Orchard in Southern Illinois, there's more than a couple of customers doing just that. Dan Elkins drove an hour from Cape Girardeau. The self-proclaimed fan says the higher prices this summer won't keep him away.
0: This is a great operation. They've got great people here. Love the peaches, so I'll be back for more.
1: Although Elkin says he'll go for just one bushel this Thursday afternoon, instead of two. In Cobden, Illinois, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Jonathan All
0: edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt.